and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. My name is Zach Falkner Barfield. Alongside me is the debonair, the always precise, the always charming Mr. James Marwood. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm very good, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit sore. I did some quite intense circuits last night. I'm a little bit stiff afterwards, but they were good fun. Good for the soul, that kind of exercise. Yes, well, I'm back in the gym. January was not a good month for me on the exercise front. I sort of did a few days and then I had a bad cold for a week and that sort of affects the asthma. And back in February, off and running, exercising five, six days a week and getting down to the target weight as we've discussed before. Are you still doing the yoga? No, see, no, no yoga around where I am at the moment. Oh, that's a shame. When I do move back into the big smoke, I will take it up again. There's no easy yoga places around here. Or actually, let me rephrase that. No easy yoga places at a time I can do it. I've been doing a little bit of yoga using an app. Oh, yes. It's not ideal, but I'm a little bit in a similar situation to you. You know, the the times I could do yoga, I'm training. I'm doing other things. It's called daily yoga. It seems quite good. You know, it's quite tough, actually. And there's a mixture, I think, of yoga and Pilates t- styles and things in there. But it's a good workout. As I become a more mature gentleman, recovering after jiu-jitsu class or, or boxing or kickboxing is taking a little bit longer. And I think the yoga will help with that recovery. I think so, too. So, James, yes, what has caught your eye in the world this week? I saw a very interesting article about Davos. A couple of weeks ago, the of the international sort of the great and the good. Yes, you've got captains of industry and titans of state and that sort of thing. Uh, the World Economic Forum. A lot of Silicon Valley people, Swiss bankers, Hong Kong tycoons, world leaders, all of those in, in the Swiss Alps to talk about improving the world. So they have lots of panels and podiums and that sort of thing, but also lots of dinners and social functions and things like that, which is interesting because this article was talking about etiquette as a part of that and about the simple things like how you use a knife and fork, for example. Yes. Americans use what I think is now called the zigzag method. You cut your food up and then you transfer your fork from your left hand to your right hand and use your fork to eat. Whereas in Europe and the Middle East, and I think in my experience, in Africa as well. You keep the knife and fork in both hands and you cut and fork the food to your mouth as you go. Yes. No switching. That's apparently something that these guys have been being being careful of, especially the Silicon Valley types. They don't want to get caught out with that. What does seem to European eyes, childish way of eating. It is interesting, isn't it? I think it's a really good article, actually. It talks about etiquette being the great equaliser, which is we talk about all the time is like etiquette's not about actually about being superior to anyone it's about everyone operating from the same point yes as our friend rory has pointed out many times the core of etiquette is to make other people feel at ease yes exactly the core of being a gentleman it's interesting because that american the the zigzag method outside of america i don't know of anywhere else that uses it i'm not aware of anywhere else that uses it i've got friends from south america who do so from Colombia or Central America, Mexico, which is probably a heavily American influence, that kind of thing. And some of the people I know from Brazil do use the knife and fork, one in each hand, but the opposite way around? Yes. So I've had that before. I've seen that before, but I, I'm not, the zigzag is kind of strange. It's about how the level is. And what's interesting is, A, people wanting to learn it. Yes. And B, sort of is even at the highest level, it's still important to learn the etiquette rules. For some people, these rules are taught... In childhood, they're not even necessarily taught. They're just absorbed that this is the way you do things. And you can get really finickety things about which spoon and which fork to use. But it's also the things about that we don't talk 
about money. Yes. We don't talk about religion, things like that. And then when you've got groups of people where that is the norm, groups of people where it isn't, and they come together, there's a clash. Yeah, it's understanding the rules. Making people feel at ease and, and wherever all these cultures come together, there needs to be a unifying thing that keeps people together. Yeah, practice your etiquette. Because when you get to Davos and the World Economic Forum, you need to be able to behave with the royals and the presidents. <laughs> yes, indeed. There is one thing in the article I would take slight issue with, politely, which is that it recommends a Windsor Knot as a classic. I'm not a fan of the Windsor Knot. But again, it's one of those things that the Windsor Knot specifically, it's situation. Yes. It depends on the tie. It depends on the suit. It depends on the situation. Yes. You look at wearing Windsor Knots and you go, well, you tied that tie really badly because it doesn't really sit well with the Windsor Knot and the tie's too thin for it or too thick for it or whatever it is. It doesn't look so good. Practice the other tie knots as well. It seems like it's an etiquette podcast week this, this week. Have you seen anything interesting this week? The lovely people at Go Transit, so Greater Ontario, Transit Authority, which we've talked about before on the blog and then the podcast and on various different things about in the perfect, through the perfect gentleman over the years. We like Canadians because they're always generally polite. What I love about them is they released another version of their etiquette on public transport. Yes, and it has a great name. Unwritten rules of public transit etiquette written down. <laughs> yes, I like it. Common sense stuff. It's stuff that we understand and know. Well, we should, should we say. But it is lovely. They have people doing exercises across the seats so you can't sit down. Or cutting their toenails. Fingernails are bad enough, but toenails? One of my friends posted on a social media site a couple of days ago. She was on a plane and posted that someone had taken off their shoes and socks on the plane. (laughs) Just like, no. Funny if I, I did see a thing like that of somebody who was commenting, I think their photo was, this is going to be a long flight. They were sat in a window seat and wedged up alongside their seat, sort of between the seat and the wall, was this barefoot from the person behind them. I would have said something at that point. Absolutely. It's that traditionally British thing about, you know, to quietly seize. But actually, if you just say something politely, often people don't know that they're being rude or they're just trying to push it to the point at which someone says, please stop. Yes, absolutely. We've talked about this before, the, the way of the world, the moment where culture is, we've sort of built these little pods of existence. You know, when we go outside that world, we're not in the, the pod of our own existence anymore. We actually have to interact with other people. We are sharing this space. My general public transport rant is spatial awareness, spatial awareness, spatial awareness. I don't understand why it's somewhat lacking with everyone these days. Possibly because it's easy to stick your headphones on and just become disassociated from from where you are. Just a quiet word often will just shock people out of that. Yeah. Sometimes, though, I did see her on the train the other day. She didn't do very well, but this lady was complaining to another lady who was standing up with her backpack on and kept bashing into her. She didn't complain very well. So the other lady got snotty with her back, so they had this back and forth, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm smiling, because I, I don't want to get involved. It wasn't my place to. Both of those interactions could have gone so much better. On the topic of that book, I see it on the website, gotransit.com. It's a free download. You can download that as a PDF, and it is quite fun. And accurate, so relevant... Not only in Greater Ontario public transport, but public transport anywhere in the world. I just love the tone of voice they've got in it. You know, there are countless ways to sit, almost all of which require some kind of seat. (laughs) It is genius. I do love it. We followed them doing it for, I think, a three. it's like the fifth year or something they've done it. Yeah, I think so. We do love them for that. We salute you, Go Transit. Yes, indeed. So anything else caught your eye, James? We talked recently about Paddington. We did. Because we love Paddington. And it seems we're in good company. Apparently, Paddington 2 is 
currently the best reviewed movie of all time on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> if you don't know Rotten Tomatoes, it's uh, they call themselves a review aggregator, but they pull reviews from critics and members of the public all across the internet and journalism and places and create this aggregate score. They sort of have this way of ranking films against each other and they do games and things as well on there. But Paddington is the best reviewed film of all time. It's amazing. And well-deserved because Paddington's wonderful. Everyone loves him because he's so polite. Yes. And he's enthusiastic and he's fun and he doesn't put up with any nonsense. He's not afraid to break out a very hard stare. The Paddington Bear death stare, as my mum used to refer to it. Yes, indeed. I'm just really pleased. And that all these people who are from all over different parts of the world and the internet and different age ranges and different cultures and backgrounds all love this little bear. It's great. God bless you, Paddington. We adore you for your politeness and your looking the good in everyone. But I actually haven't seen two. I've seen one. I haven't seen two. I would strongly recommend it. Have you seen it, sir? Yes, I have. I hear that Mr. Grant is hilarious in it. It is, I think, probably his best role yet. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is magnificent. And Brendan Gleeson is a favourite. He's a fantastic actor. I could listen to Brendan Gleeson just read the phone book. He plays Knuckles McGinty, this ferocious sort of guy in prison. It's just lovely. <laughs> Which I assume Paddington triumphs over him. He doesn't sort of need to. He sort of brings him a long ways. <laughs> that's the thing that's so great. He instantly sees the best in Knuckles and Knuckles responds to it by wanting to be his best. Excellent. We love Paddington. Yes, indeed. Anything else that you've seen? Lastly, there's an article, and it's in the New York Times, about one of my bugbears. Oh. Mobile phones. There's been a lot of work done on uh, the psychological effects of mobile phones and all that sort of stuff, but it's saying, once again, that our smartphone addiction is killing our manners. Not only that, our moods which I think is really interesting because as we've discussed before, I think a little bit here, but certainly I've, I talk about quite frequently is our physiology, our posture and our behavior affects our psychology and vice versa. If our posture is bad and leaning over and weighing down on the slouching and not communicating and not making eye contact affects our mood, affects our behavior, affects our memory. And uh, it's quite bad. This always on behavior we, we've talked about before has stress effects and stuff like that. What's interesting about this article was just saying that now all ages are affected. Adults over the age of 25 are just as badly behaved now as the youth. We are becoming less communicative and our efforts to interact with people on a communication basis are becoming poorer. And it's interesting to see the New York Times is picking this up and running with this and giving all the science behind it as well, which I think is quite good. I've been doing a sort of an online management leadership coaching lesson as a student, exploring how that's done online. As a result of that, I started watching quite a lot of videos of thinkers and people who write and talk about business. And one of my favorites, uh, Simon Sinek, who I think we've talked about before, I'm always a little bit undecided as to how much he's trying to provoke thought with what he says and how much he's truly believes some of what he says, especially when he starts talking about millennials and things like that. However, one thing he did do about on a couple of bits was about how cell phones, mobile telephones, impact relationships and the way we communicate. And he did a really good example where he's standing up on stage and he borrowed a telephone from a lady in the audience to look at how just different this feels when I have the telephone in my hand. Yes. It's really interesting. I remember seeing an Apple developers conference talk a while ago. And it was with Scott Forstall. He doesn't work at Apple anymore, but he used to be one of their sort of top senior guys. And he was discussing points on, and responding to questions on stage. And he took his phone out and started noting in his phone the questions that were being asked. And it was really interesting that even in that context with the people who are making 
the, the telephones and who are developing for the telephones and probably the audience who are most likely to be comfortable with a, a telephone being in the middle of that sort of interaction. It just stumbled and broke the flow a little bit. There's people sort of, oh, he's making notes in his phone. That's what he's doing. If that can happen in that situation, imagine what could happen in a context where that isn't as acceptable. We're starting to see, because mobile phones have been around a long enough period of time, the data, the science to back up kind of what we've been saying for years about what mobile phones do to conversation and so on and so forth. It is quite spectacular. Electra, as you are well know, as the audience well knows, and, and um, it is amazing that you know I force them to put their mobile phones away, and the true addicts struggle. You know they have to check their phone, and I usually um, make fun of them doing it in one way or another. But they have a penalty for doing it. But as soon as the break happens and they can get back on the phone, literally almost every single person has their phone. Out. Of, of this age group i'm quite stunned by i use my mobile phone and i use it for work but as soon as i'm interacting with someone it's down it's away i don't touch it and don't look at it unless i'm going to show someone a photo or something like that but apart from that i don't take the phone out of my pocket it's something i'm more aware of even back in the early days of my career i remember doing a, a training course one of the first times where i was being a, a trainer facilitator back in 2000 2001 something like that and i had two senior managers for a mobile telephone company who spent the whole meeting on their blackberries <laughs> it seems a long time ago now but the blackberry especially in business was ubiquitous you had that sort of blackberry stance with both hands on the device tapping with your thumbs and they were doing email there's all sorts of debates to be had about whether doing email is a useful activity in of itself you know it's not just kids it's not necessarily that new but i think you're right you know it, it's almost like an addiction it is what was the interesting part of the article which is i've started to see as well is it's not just the youth anymore new baylor university which is i believe an american university analyzed cell phone usage uh, mobile phone usage with personality traits things like introversion conscientiousness those sorts of traits and it was really interesting that they found that in the this causation correlation arguments to be had but that there was a link between that sort of addictive type behavior and emotional instability people who used their smartphones more were more prone to being moody to being temperamental less able to focus and being less happy and also being shyer. You know, and you can argue, does one cause the other or, or vice versa? But it does seem to be that it is something that doesn't make us really happy. No, I, I'm sure there'll be a reaction to it in the next generation. I'm sure there will be, because I think it's, it's becoming a little bit disconcerting. But anyway, there we go. Let's finish that up there. <laughs> Put your mobile phones away, it's, unless you're listening to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. In which case, you're hopefully doing it through headphones if you're in a public space. And you're not doing it whilst you're having dinner with someone. We are rapidly approaching March, which uh, Perfect Gentleman is going to launch our, at some point in March. I haven't got an exact date yet. We're going to launch our courses. We're going to start a monthly membership program, basically. That is what we're going to do. And um, we're going to release a course a month and we're going to add some extra goodies for the people who subscribe and we might do some other bits and bobs along the way but more on that in the next couple of podcasts but in the meantime if you want to get hold of us please uh, drop us an email at enquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv or you can find us on social media we're the perfect gentleman if you search the perfect gentleman on instagram uh, facebook and twitter we're all on there james and i are both on uh, instagram and twitter if you want to find us uh, just google us it's probably easier and if you want us to talk about anything please let us know and the other thing is in march we will start reviewing things or if there's anything you would like us to review perhaps in the future products services something like that we will be happy to take that challenge on for you so please let us 
let us know again by the usual channels. James, it's been a pleasure as always. Have a splendid week and I shall speak to you very soon. I shall speak to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.